It is Thursday, July 27th. I'm Scott Sattenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Angels are buyers. And they're not the only ones. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Shohei Otani officially off the market. But the Angels acquiring two pitchers. That's the Vegas lead, AJ, because there are several trades that went down yesterday or last night in Major League Baseball. And yes, the Otani news is front and center. And it's understandable. The Angels have won seven of their last 10 games. They're four games out of a wild card spot. And they start a series with the Tigers that was supposed to begin yesterday, but because of the rain delay, will begin with a doubleheader here today. So if you look at the wild card standings, the Red Sox are one and a half back of the Blue Jays for the final wild card spot. The Yankees, two and a half games back. The Angels, four games back. They think they can make this, they can make the playoffs. Is it realistic in your mind or? Do you think them acquiring two pitchers, Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez from the White Sox, is a way of trying to show Shohei that they're going for it, which will then convince him to stay and re-sign with them? Oh, I think if they don't make the playoffs, he's gone. It's, it's over. Even if yeah. they're aggressive at the deadline here, acquiring pitchers, showing him that they mean business. What's that tell you? Like they, we made a big push and we still couldn't make it. Yeah. Like the truth of it is, getting Giolito, like he was arguably the second best pitcher available on the market. Like that's been considered a, a. I mean, there's the Verlanders and stuff. We haven't really seen anything but rumors on them. Mm-hmm. But like guys that we know were likely to be traded, Giolito was like at the top of the list, right below Otani. So this is a big splash move. It should theoretically make them more competitive. I, I think getting Trout back at some point mm-hmm. w- would certainly help. Uh, I, I think they still need help in their lineup. Uh, you know, the fact that, that Trout and Rendon are both injured and Rendon, when he's been healthy, has not been really good. They, they need a, a little more in, in the batting order, but it's certainly a good start. And, uh, you know, it, 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 they've got – now a less than zero chance because Shohei Otani is going to be on the team for the rest of the season. Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, uh, both right-handers, come from the Chicago White Sox in exchange for catcher Edgar Cuero and left-hander Kai Bush, who are two of the best prospects in the Angels system. So it's a good haul. It's a good return for the, the White Sox, especially when you consider that both Giolito and Lopez are going to be free agents at the end of the season. So this is a two-month rental for the Angels with the the entire goal of this is to make a push for the wild card. McKenzie, looking at uh, the playoff projections, what are the chances? I guess let's start with 538, and then maybe we'll go to team rankings after that. But 538 first, uh, what are the chances the Angels make the playoffs? 538 is 100% shut down. They don't do baseball anymore. They can't afford it. Sorry, Disney. Sorry, Nate Silver. I hope you're doing all right. But 
Nor so, MLB 538. So, so you would say a 0% chance according to 538. <laughs> exactly. All right. So what about. Well, actually, it's it's like a 50% chance because it stopped in June. Yeah. So that's the date that baseball ended. Okay. June so thanks for nothing. All right. Guys. So give me, give me fan graphs and uh, team rankings. Got 15% at fan graphs for the Angels to make the playoffs. All right. And then find me team rankings as well. They might not have playoff percentage, but they'll have the uh, projected standings of what they think they'll win. So 15% according to fan graphs. And 10% according to team rankings. 10%. So it, it's not high. I'll tell you what, though, if they sweep the Tigers and they're instead of four games back, they're two games back, then again, Red Sox and Yankees still there. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you can, I mean, even if you keep winning, we've seen this with a couple teams this year. It's like, wow, they're the hottest team in baseball. It was when the Cardinals were super hot and they couldn't gain a single game on the Brewers because the Brewers kept winning baseball games. Like it's, it's tough to gain ground when you can't control the actions of the team in front of you. Again, beating the Tigers, beating the Pirates—that's all nice and good. But eventually, the Angels are going to run into a stretch where they've got to play good teams again. Uh, and so far, they've looked like an average to below average team this season. They they really need to be better than what they have been if they're going to make me a believer. Right now, I, I mean, it's a it's a nice push getting Giolito. Uh, not, I mean, honestly, it, Lopez too. It, it's two two arms better than what they had mm-hmm, in their rotation mm-hmm, as sure. it, as it was. Um, but I don't know that that takes them from you know being a team that I didn't even consider a borderline contender into a team that I'm certain is going to make the playoffs. I, th- I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think they, they probably have a much better chance than 10% to make the playoffs I would agree with now, that. But I don't suddenly f- – I wouldn't say they're a favorite to make the playoffs now. This is what the third wild card has done now in Major League Baseball. More teams feel like they have a chance. Which was the goal, I think. Exactly. If this was a, nor- a, 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 a regular season from a couple years ago and the Angels were maybe five games back, I guess that's what they would be of the Astros. But it just adds another team like the Blue Jays in the – in between them and the wild card, I don't know if they would be as aggressive here. But with a chance to only surpass two teams in the Red Sox and Yankees and, you know, seeing the injuries that the Yankees have dealt with, seeing the way the Red Sox have played and maybe think, oh, you know what? Hey, we got a favorable schedule here coming up. We can take care of business. Heck, we just we just played the Yankees and we swept them. So and we played Toronto coming up. And if we take two of three from Toronto, guess what? We are right there in the wild card race. And I think that's where they're thinking of it right now because they have three games against Detroit. Excuse me, four games. No, three games against Detroit and then three games in Toronto. If they win five of those six, let's just say four of those six, they'll be in a better position than they are are today. No doubt. Now, here's the question. Now that Otani's off the market, Mm -hmm. Who becomes the the big targets like Otani and Giolito off the market? I suppose I know Cody Bellinger is a name that you're going to hear a lot. Yep. Uh, I think Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman, both from the uh, from the Cubs, could be targets to be had. I think the Cardinals are going to be sellers. I don't know if any of their big pieces get sold off. Do they trade a Nolan Arenado? Uh, I think it's more likely that some, you know, Dylan Carlson's on the move, a Jack Flaherty, a pitcher is on the move. A couple other trades did go down yesterday. The Dodgers trade Noah Syndergaard to the Guardians for shortstop Ahmed Rosario. Rosario was a guy who started with the Mets and then was part of that Francisco Lindor trade that went back to uh, Cleveland, and he was an all-star. Like, he played great for Cleveland, and Cleveland has a bunch of young infielders that they can convert to shortstop so they can put at shortstop. And so this is the Dodgers who— 
were getting no production from the shortstop position this year. They had the fifth worst OPS at the shortstop position this year in Major League Baseball. They traded for Kike Hernandez from the Red Sox the other day, who was playing shortstop for the Red Sox, but he's a former Dodger. Former Dodger, yeah, back home. He's a utility man. He plays the outfield. He plays the infield. He can play anywhere. Now it's clear Ahmed Rosario becomes their everyday shortstop. Yeah. And it makes the Dodgers a better team. They needed production from the shortstop position. Now they're going to get production from the shortstop position. So, and Syndergaard's, he's still rehabbing in AAA. He's still on the IL. I don't know when he's going to make his debut for Cleveland. But I, I, I know Cleveland's like two games back of the Twins. I just don't look at Cleveland like a playoff team. I really don't. Well, and I don't know that Cleveland looks at themselves as a playoff team. Like, I've seen several. They're 51 and 51. I've seen several uh, rumors saying that they may trade Shane Bieber. Uh, and, well, Bieber's on the 60-day. He's gone. He's he's hurt. For, so, whatever. but guys, like, while while they're contending, you're talking yeah. about trading top guys, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, yeah, I think their their pitching situation is it's a bunch of young guys. Their, their lineup is not very good. It's hard to imagine them being a playoff team. Speaking of the Twins, they swap relievers with the Marlins. The Twins getting Dylan Floro from Miami. Jorge Lopez goes back in exchange. Uh, Floro's been in the big leagues for uh, eight years, and he was part of that Dodgers World Series team in 2020. And Lopez was an all-star last so, year for Baltimore. So what's the fallout from this? Who who comes up? Who's getting better? Or is it just trying to shuffle around some parts, hope to get a little better results? I think it's shuffling around. It's uh, it's Lopez is a guy who spent some time away from the team to address mental health. Could just be a change of uh, scenery is good for the guy. Maybe there's something going on there. And just being in a different situation, being with different teams, uh, teammates, coaches, who knows? Uh, but it's a swap of relievers between those two teams. So you're asking what trades could go down next? What could we see? Uh, Obviously, the Angels and Otani, that's off the board. We're not going to see an Otani trade because he's done. They're buyers now. I think Stroman for sure and Cody Bellinger. I think the Yankees could be very alive for Cody Bellinger. Very alive for Cody Bellinger. And putting him in the Bronx with that short porch in right field That immediately elevates the Yankees. He's having a resurgence of his career this year. And with the Yankees getting healthier, with uh, Aaron Judge expected back this weekend, and if he gives the team a boost and guys like Stanton and Rizzo start to pick it up, you add Bellinger in that lineup, I think that the Yankees are certainly going to be favored to make the playoffs. Mackenzie, what are the Yankees' chances right now to make the playoffs? 33%. It's better than the Angels. Yeah. Better than the Angels. Um, if it's not Cody Bellinger, I mentioned Dylan Carlson from the uh, Cardinals. Nationals third baseman Jamier Candelario is also being discussed for a boatload of teams. Like, he's going to get traded. The Angels were actually talking about him as well. So the Angels might not be done buying. Uh, now that the White Sox have traded away Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, look for Lance Lynn to be next. Yeah. They'll trade away Lance Lynn. Um, I think Eduardo Rodriguez from the Tigers is going to be on the move. I think maybe Lorenzen as well. <sighs> that would be, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's at some point like, the Tigers have mm-hmm. to, like, they're not, it's not like they're going to be a playoff team anytime soon. They clearly are a long way away. Yeah. I, you know what? You're probably right. Um, Pirates could make some moves. You know, Rich Hill could be on the move. Team looking for a veteran presence. Yeah, David Bednar. Yeah. 
Oh, that, you're getting rid of their, their only all-star. Uh, <laughs> and I mentioned the Cardinals. Guess what? The A's have an all-star, too. I'm sure they'd trade him. I mentioned the Cardinals, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, maybe on the move. Uh, do the Mets are the, do the, the Mets, Mets? Do the Mets become sellers? The Mets are the most fascinating case to me. Like the Mets have, uh, of all the teams that we're talking about being potential sellers, they've got the best pieces. Mm-hmm. So like they, they've got the most actual like quality guys that I could see helping another team. Mackenzie, what's the Mets' chances right now to make playoffs? Fourteen point two percent, almost the same as the Angels. That's wild. They're, I mean, that is seven it's... games under five hundred. They're terrible. You know who has a higher percent chance to make the playoffs than both the Mets and the Angels? Who's universally Known to be sellers is the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs, well, the Cubs are only four and a half out. Exactly, eighteen percent chance. But but, but they go for it. Let's but play too. I would bet the no on them though because they're going to trade away. Like I said, they're going to trade away Stroman. They're going to trade away Cody Bellinger probably. Well, here's the question about the Cubs. Right now, they're in the middle of kind of what you talked about. Maybe the Cardinals needing like a, a late season. Yeah, they, surge. they've won five straight games now. Yeah, I mean, is it they won seven out of ten? They're the mm-hmm. only team in their in their division. With a positive run differential, and it's—I mean—it's actually pretty good. Plus forty-eight. I mean, is it—is it out of the realm to think that maybe the the Cubs try and stay in this? Thing? Like, how do we know they're going to trade Stroman and Bellinger? Other than you know, you want them to go to your team. Well, no, they're two. Of, <laughs> I mean, they're two of the top prospects that are two of the top targets that are being discussed across the entire league. Right. Um, because I guess people are believing that the Cubs are a team that's building for the future, not playing for right now. Even though they're only six out of the division. Cubs gonna win today. <laughs> right? Is that the song, Mackenzie? I've never heard that song. Cubs gonna win today. <laughs> yeah, Cubs won five straight games, seven of their last ten. Uh, the Mets right now are seven and a half out of the wild card, and they have the same odds as the Angels, who are four out of the wild card. And there's a lot more teams in front of the Mets than there are in front of the Angels. Uh, I think the Mets are going to be sellers but not the big names that you might think of. I think the Mets could probably trade Carlos Carrasco or Jose Quintana um, as opposed to trading away Verlander or Scherzer. Well, I mean, obviously, if you trade Verlander or Scherzer, the the downside of that is it comes with eating a giant chunk of salary more than likely. Yes. Uh, And I don't know if they want to do that, considering they probably feel like they can be right back in contention next season. Yeah. So those are names that I would look out for. But – The trade deadline is fast approaching. Things are heating up across Major League Baseball. Let's take a look at the slate here for Thursday. And it's a small slate highlighted by a doubleheader featuring Shohei Otani. The Angels and Tigers will play two in Detroit. The first game around 110 Eastern time. Shohei Otani against Michael Lorenzen. Solid pitching matchup there. It is uh, Angels minus 140 on the road with a total of eight. And the nightcap which will be like a late afternoon game, a 4.40 Eastern time start. That's going to be Patrick Sandoval against Matt Manning, L.A., also minus 120 in that one. Yeah, the damn rain cost me uh, my best bet Mm. yesterday. I I was on the Tigers' first five. Uh, Obviously, the rain out means it's not happening. And now... Lorenzen goes, goes up against, against Otani, Otani yeah. so um, I'm not I'm not eager to uh, to jump in front of that. Yeah. What you're saying is you remain undefeated. 
for the whole week. This week, I'm unbeaten. Never can, lost. Thank you. Yeah, 1-0. Remaining uh, one, 100% hit rate. <laughs> Nationals will take on the Mets in Queens. The Mets are minus 195 with Kode Senga on the mound. Josiah Gray goes for the Nationals. AJ, you want to find the strikeout prop on Senga? Yeah, that's we'll always take a look uh, at that. Although, in. in his last start, did not go over because... Well, last start got scratched, it, thank it you. It did not count. He goes three and a third innings, and because the game was... Uh, po- uh, it was in a rain delay. Oh, and it was sweating it. I was it like, was please a, don't restart. Please don't it restart. It was a suspended game that was resumed the following day. So Senga only gets credit for three and a third innings. He only struck out three. Prop is five and a half. Overs I, minus 136. Boy, that seems low. Five and a half seems low. Seems low to me as well. I think that could be a play. Kode Senga over the five and a half strikeouts. Elsewhere, we have the Cubs at the Cardinals. Justin Steele goes for Chicago. Miles Michaelis for St. Louis, and it's an even spread, but the Cubs are red hot, as you mentioned. Winners of five straight, seven of ten, and Justin Steele, one of the lowest ERAs in Major League Baseball. He is 10-3 and three on the year. He faced St. Louis in his last start, and he went six and a third innings, only allowing two runs while striking out nine. Earlier this season against St. Louis as well, he went six innings, allowing just one run while striking out eight six innings of allowing three runs with only three strikeouts in that first time against St. Louis. So, hey, guess what? The Cubs won all three of those games. But uh, two out of three really good starts for Justin Steele against the Cardinals. Yeah, he's been, I mean, he's been almost an auto win for the Cubs. So, that's a, they got to feel good. Speaking of them maybe not selling a win here, maybe steps them one one. One game closer. Tiny step closer to saying maybe we keep these guys. And the Guardians will be at the White Sox. Dylan Cease starts for Chicago. White Sox are minus 115. Now, this is what I'm wondering. Do the White Sox start to fade even further now because the players just saw two of their pitchers get dealt? And now there's no belief. Yeah, I, I would imagine and the White Sox start to like, pack it in. Yeah, like we talked about this with the Pirates a couple weeks ago when they decided to bring up all their minor leaguers uh-huh. and just go young. Uh, the assumption is the White Sox will be doing the same thing, and if they're not going young, they're just going to have worse old players out there, which that can't be exciting either. So yeah, I, the the White Sox are a team I'd look to go against pretty pretty regularly going forward uh, according to reports Dil- uh, while Lance Lynn could be the next name traded from the Chicago White Sox ace Dylan Cease will not be traded he's certainly not going to be traded that's the reports that they are not going to trade. That's Dylan interesting because I heard a lot of rumors about him as well and obviously he'd be a, a big impact arm for for any contender right now this show is sponsored by better help How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. 
It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Yesterday, we talked about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets reworking his contracts that he made pretty much a little under $2 million for this coming season. Well, the deal is finalized. Aaron Rodgers is taking a $35 million pay cut over the next two seasons. He signed a two-year, $75 million fully guaranteed deal He was due to make close to $110 million, so this is a pretty large pay cut that's going to give the Jets a ton of flexibility. He gets a $35 million roster bonus. His salary is $1.8 million. Yeah, his 2023 cap number is less than $9 million. Mm-hmm. So this is his way of, I guess, trying to uh, say, hey, let's let's make a run at it here. Let's, let's try and build some stuff around me. Um, and Rodgers, this to me is promising if you're a Jets fan because now it feels like Aaron Rodgers has real motivation to play like to not retire at the end of this year like he's got motivation to go ahead and and maybe not play this thing all the way through but at least play next season well let's hear from Aaron Rodgers on the possibility of playing beyond this season definitely some of it is uh how much fun I'm I'm having it's all about the body how the body feels the team gave up uh, significant uh, pieces for it just to be a one-year deal. Um, I'm aware of that. I think there was uh, you know, an awareness of that. Uh, now, again, anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year. But I'm having a blast, so I don't really see this as a one-year and done thing. A couple of things from that, AJ. Uh, obviously, see how his body feels. Yeah. If he suffers an injury and you never know, and he's getting up there in age, and he could decide that he wants to hang it up. The other thing that he said, which is very interesting, and, and Mackenzie, did you catch this? He said, depending on, like, the team's success, which, like, if the Jets win the Super Bowl this year, does, does he retires. You think so? Yes. I think he meant more, like, if they're 4-13, and 13, he's got— He's not going to come back? Why, why come back? Because, like, clearly he's no, not the answer. I think, the, I think to me that sounded like, like, you know, depending on the team's success, meaning, like, He'll be done if they if they win. 
he won't come back. I, boy, I think that's a very optimistic way to look at that quote. I, I, that's certainly not what I gathered. And I think that if they make the playoffs and lose, he'll be back. I agree with that. Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Where, how did you get? How did I you, think the uh, only way that, the only way he's one and done is if the Jets win the Super Bowl. I think if they if it's a total disaster and he's under scrutiny all season long, like I, I could see him saying, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm out of here. If Jets fans didn't exist, 100 out of 100 people would read it the way that you you read it. It's the only way you could read that quote. I, I'm hoping to be successful, and hopefully the team is successful. It's just saying, if it's not a disaster, you know, I'll be back. No way he's saying, <laughs> if we don't win the Super Bowl, I'll be back. But you know, I'm, that's the green sunglasses yeah. that Scott. Twelve there, years without believe. a playoff playoff berth, longest. In the NFL, minus one thirty to end this year. I, I think if if Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl and feels like the Jets have a chance to win one again, it, you get to that three Super Bowl mark, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're in you're in rarefied air. So I I would imagine if they did win a Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers would feel like he's on top of the world. He's got a chance to to do something special. Can we talk about this Jets win total here for a second? Because I'm 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 not sure why more any of us or more people didn't go over on the Jets win total like I know we they talked, won seven games last year I know we talked about Roger they won seven games last year with the worst quarterback play you're gonna find yeah so if Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers just, was the 24th best yeah. quarterback in the league last year okay but that's and that was an un Aaron Rodgers like season or it's because he's 39 years old maybe maybe but if Aaron Rodgers is a is halfway decent this year the Jets should win nine games and and that's just going off of what they did last year but the other thing that you have to consider about the Jets' schedule this year is they play 10 home games. Like, the AFC has the extra home game, so yeah. they have nine. And one of their road games is against the Giants, which is right. at their home stadium. And that comes after the bye. So look at this schedule, the schedule for the Jets, okay? They're home to Buffalo, which is a tough game. We know that. At Dallas, not that difficult to go travel. Home, New so England. That's best bet. Dallas minus two and a half. I, I, I'm just talking about the where the the the, the body right, so, strain. So, so we're zero and two, but strain. we're feeling fresh. Got it. All Whatever. Right. All right. And it's two. a short week. Going to Dallas on a short week. I get it, but it's not like later where you have to go to Denver later in the year, right? So they have two home games. Granted, Kansas City's one of them, but they go to Denver. After Denver, it's no travel for a, for over a month. They are home for over a month. Yeah, but October eighth, the, they're in Denver. They're home against the Eagles and the Chargers, two teams that are better than them. Still, they're home bye week against the Giants, which is home, and then home against the Chargers. That's four consecutive weeks of being home. That's a, that's beneficial for the team. There's not a lot of travel for the, and then they travel Vegas, Buffalo later in the year, Miami, which is a de facto home game for them. And then Cleveland, New England. This team only has two non, you know, East trips, and that's to go to El- to go to Vegas and to go to Denver. This is not. A, this they is, go to Houston. Oh, no, no, they're Houston. home. Yeah, to you're Houston. Right. Houston is at home. This is not a bad schedule. This is a schedule that's conducive to win ten oh, games. They go to Dallas. That's the other one. Yeah, they're still in the Eastern Time Zone. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the <laughs> NFC East. They're not in the Eastern Time Zone. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I this like you're again. You're lo- looking at a very bright side view of the Jets' schedule. I I look at it as man. Yeah, they're home for a while, but they're home against the Eagles and the Chargers, and then they've got back to back. They got a trip on the road to to the Raiders, and then they've got to come go to Buffalo. 
I don't know, man. This is it's a tough schedule, and especially the idea that you've got Buffalo at Dallas, Patriots, Chiefs, Eagles. That's all in your first six games. Like you could be two and four to start the season. Then it's kind of hard to get to you know a win total over. Yeah, if you look at the Vegas spreads, the implied wins out of their first six is two point seven games. So three and three would be optimistic. Two and four just as likely. I think three and three is is manageable, and then with the chance to still get to ten, especially if you're looking at you know let, let's and look. There's no gimmies in the NFL, but uh, there kind of is. I mean, they but, play the Texans, they play the Commanders at home. They, there's a couple gimmies. Well, I'm just saying. So <laughs> let's say you know give them Washington, Houston, Atlanta, at home. I don't know. Atlanta's a team getting a lot of love right now. Certainly, certainly. But we're taking them out of the dome. That's true. December. It's going to be cold. All they do is run the ball now anyway. This isn't the old days. This is Matt Ryan's not there. They're running the ball, baby. Uh, I, I I just think that there should be. I know everyone. I feel like it's the popular opinion to be anti-Jets because of the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. But I think there's reason for optimism betting on the Jets. I think that, I mean, it's not that, it, like, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron no Rodgers is, is a douchebag. Exactly. But I think See Aaron Rodgers there? is really good at football or was really good at football. I don't know if he is anymore, and I don't really think there's a way to know. That's why I think the Jets are one of the most volatile teams because if Aaron Rodgers is what he was last year, I think the Jets might still be a seven or eight win mm. team. Let's take a look around training camps and we talk about what we've seen, what we're seeing on the field, or maybe some coaching decisions that are coming down already. AJ, it looks like Bryce Young officially. The starter in Carolina. Yeah, uh, Bryce Young moved to the first team during offseason workouts. Uh, but yesterday, Frank Reich said he is the starter, which I think is an interesting move. Like, it's not unexpected. We all thought that was going to be the case. Mm -hmm. But I think saying it before anybody puts on pads, I, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right to me. Well, maybe it just gives the team something to look forward to, something to kind of like rally around, like say, hey, this is our guy, this is our leader, now it's time to let him start being a leader as opposed to questioning whether or not he's going to get the start. Yeah. And then whether the team is trying to, you don't want the team to take sides in training camp. Because that's what happens sometimes with a quarterback battle is you have half the team that wants one guy to be the quarterback. You have half the team that wants the other guy to be the quarterback. And you don't have a real leader. Well, here's what this tells me. It tells me I don't, I don't, I'm bearish on the Panthers this season. I know a lot of people seem to like them. Uh, but the idea that Andy Dalton, who's a guy who I could see pushing to be like, if these two had a, a all-out real live competition, quarterback competition in camp, it wouldn't shock me at all if Andy Dalton was better to start the season. They've said, nope, that's not happening. Tells me we're already playing for the future. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the best results for this year. We are building this thing around Bryce Young. So that makes me like Carolina less. What's Carolina's current win total at, McKenzie? 7.6, 7 7.5 over minus 120. And what's the underpay now? Even money. That's mm, plus one hundred. That plus one hundred or even money, boy. That's a the I, one you want to Yeah, and I've already said I like. I don't like that this team traded away their best wide receiver. You, they in the last season they traded away their best running back and their best wide receiver, and now they're saying, okay, rookie quarterback, brand new guy to the league, take it from here. And he looks around that locker room and goes, me and who? I, it just doesn't feel good to me. 
Elsewhere, Jimmy Garoppolo on the field. We know that he passed his physical and was not going to be put on the pup list, but seeing him step onto the field, a good sign for the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, certainly. And again, we'll see if he's if he's healthy when the season starts. It seems, I mean, McKenzie knows better than anyone. His, his health is pretty much the entirety of his his problems. Like it's a, it's, it's a, is he going to be there thing? I, I think if he's there, I think the Raiders are a team that, that could be better than expectations. I think if, if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, but it's just such a big if, uh, I, I certainly can't trust him. Should we go to Raiders training camp? You should. Should we just, like, drive by? You should. Like, say hi? You should. I'll tell you what, like, if, as someone who lived in a, an NFL city and covered an NFL team for a living for years, my least favorite part of the season is training camp. Like, watching guys practice and, like, trying to pretend like I'm getting some real insight. Mm-hmm is literally the most miserable existence. It's it's a terrible, terrible way to live. You want to see videos from Cowboys? I don't. Rams training camps? I don't. No, okay. no it's not. It's not. I've done some Cowboys training camps, too. I got, a, not I got a cool video of Des Bryant catching a touchdown. What year were you there? Years ago. When <laughs> Des Bryant was still playing. <laughs> yeah, not interested. Not interested. We moved to uh, Washington, where the commanders were working out with their new starting quarterback, Sam Howell, who talked about being the starter for the team. Obviously, it's an ultimate blessing, um, especially from, you know, kind of how last year was. It's definitely a blessing for me to be in this opportunity that I'm in. Um, and it's definitely not something that I take for granted. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of work left to be done. Um, you know, I'm not complacent at all. Um, you know, I, I know still everything is, is ahead of me, and I still got to go out there and, and earn it and prove it each and every day. Um, so I'm going to continue to do that. Howell also saying that he is uh, ahead of schedule when it comes to preparing for the season. Yeah, I mean, I think I, at this point I have total command of the offense. Um, you know, I think I, I've made a lot of str- – I studied a lot this summer um, and trying to get really comfortable with the system, um, obviously because it's new, um, and just tying my feet into the concepts that we're running. Um, and I feel like I've, I've made a lot of progress in that area. Um, so I'm excited to be here in camp and to have all the guys together and get an opportunity to prove that. Well, Sam Howell, he says he's ahead of schedule where he was last season, which <laughs> I, I would hope so. Uh, but, man, I, I, it feels to me, and there, there's quotes in the media today about uh, the, the commander's cultural, like their cult, the culture-sustaining business mm-hmm. for the commanders and how they've turned over 85% of – their their staff basically and it's like they want the fans to to really have an input in what this thing is like going forward it feels like they're in an organizational rebuild not like just a a football team rebuild like from the ground up and as rj said on the dream preview this this last week or earlier this week that doesn't that doesn't make me feel optimistic uh about washington for this season well i'm already on record i got the under the six and a half for the commanders and it's for a lot of the reasons that you talked about a lot of the reasons that rj listed with his conspiracy theory uh on the commanders on this week's dream preview if you haven't heard that download rj bell's dream preview and listen to this week's podcast and and let's hear and and you can hear rj's conspiracy theory about the commanders this season it's Thursday, which means we continue our college football previews. Sitting in with us this morning is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest. Fez, you have some uh, info on early totals in college football. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But first, AJ, we continue our conference-by-conference breakdown each week, a different conference up until week zero of the college football season. And today, we have the Big 12. And we're going to give you our winners we're going to give you a dark horse who could potentially 
win the conference, and we're going to give you a forced over and a forced under uh, in the Big 12. And, Scott, I think we're looking the same way at the top, so I will give you honors to talk about who we expect to win the Big 12 this year. Yeah, it's Texas. Um, They're the best team in the conference, and it obviously shows their win total. They're the favorite to win this thing. It's the final year in the conference, and I think that means something for them. Um, We've heard or we've read the quotes coming from their program about how uh, special it would be to leave the Big 12 with a title before heading to the SEC. And I think that it's something – I don't want to say they put extra pressure on themselves, but I think Sark's got something to prove. And before they head to the SEC to leave with a conference championship, something that, you know, it's been eluding them for a little bit, I think that it would be a big statement as they make the jump to the big leagues. Something that helps is Oklahoma, who is normally the big bad monster in this conference – uh, was down terribly last year. I think we'll be down again. Mm-hmm. We'll get to here in a little bit. At least I'll get to. And TCU, the team that was the best team in this conference last year, had a full reset. So the competition, like, well, I think Texas is good, but I think the competition around them has fallen off to a point where it's it's you got to reach to to think about anyone else winning this conference. And... Texas always has high expectations, but it feels like they're more warranted than they've been in a long time. Losing Bijan Robinson hurts, but they've got a full stable of running backs ready to take over for him, including the number one running back recruit in the country this year, the number one running back recruit in the country from 2021. Like they've got horses. Uh, Quinn Ewers, I think, is going to see some natural progression, and he showed some great flashes last year, including that breakout game against Oklahoma. 49-0 win against Oklahoma. He also laid some eggs, uh, the losses to TCU and Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. But unlike last year, if he lays an egg or he starts to look rough or he gets hurt, there's a viable option standing on the sideline waiting in Arch Manning or Malik Murphy. Uh, for that matter. I think it's more likely that Ewers is in Heisman uh, conversation, particularly with Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington returning, and then they bring in a transfer wide receiver from Georgia, A.D. Mitchell. That's big. They're also adding Isaiah Nair, who they got through the transfer portal last year. Never played a game because of an ACL, but he was a 12-touchdown guy in 2021. I I think the offense is going to be humming. Defensively, the biggest loss is Gary Patterson. Played a huge role in turning things around. I, I thought it was big of Sark to bring in mm-hmm. a, 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 a head coach who had more experience than him uh, and, and to have him around the program. He's moved on, but I, I think most of, it, most of the talent is returning. Texas led the nation in QB pressures last year. They returned three of the four defensive line starters. Loaded with returning seniors at linebacker and in the secondary, as well as adding some. They added safety John Catalan from Arkansas, uh, Wake Forest corner Gavin Holmes. Uh, so they're going to be even better in the secondary, I think. And from a power rating standpoint, Texas is going to be favored in every Big 12 game, likely by more than a touchdown. So this, again, you've got a team who's probably going to be one of the top two teams in the conference. You've got a ticket to the dance more than likely. Uh, I think it makes some sense to have Texas as your champion because I think if you ask five different people who the other team is going to be in that championship game, you might get four different answers. 
Uh, so Texas at plus 105. I also think an early season test against Alabama is going to make the, the conference schedule seem that much easier. So uh, we agree, Texas to win the Big 12. So major changes in the Big 12. I um, am not up to speed in four new additions. football as you guys are. Can you summarize what the current – I know there's 14 members and what's the format, who gets to play in the conference uh, title game? The top two teams in the standings at the end of the season uh, will be playing in the Big 12 championship game. And, yeah, we, obviously there's been some additions. Uh, Houston, 14 teams now in the conference. Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and Central Florida added to the conference. And, again, this will just be for one year. After after this year, it'll be back to being an actual Big 12. There will be 12 teams in the conference. Who who thought that was a thing, having mm-hmm. like the number you say? Uh, but, yeah, so it, but it's going to be the same format as the last couple of years. Top two teams in the standings play for the Big 12 championship uh, because they, they, they don't all play each other, and it's still just one big group. There's not, they're not divided up into divisions. So provided that Texas – Drops one game and not more. There'll be a lock to be in the championship yes, game. Correct. And they might get there even with two losses. And their road conference games at Baylor, the game at the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, at Houston, at TCU, at Iowa State. Like, I, likely one loss, right? And they lose to Alabama. If that. If that. What, what's the – one more question on a method to my madness. What's their team total for Texas's 10 wins? Uh, I want to say ten and a half. I'll pull it up. The uh, the most updated thing. I looked at it earlier in the week. I haven't looked at it this week, but I, I the last thing I, I saw, I think it was ten and a half. Where I'm going here is I want to compare betting them to win the Big Twelve to betting their season win number and see nine and a half, nine and a half, minus one forty. Yep, because it's it's ten and two is what they're because right. they're yep. underdogs. They're underdogs at Alabama. They're a seven-point dog, I believe, in that game. So they're going to lose. They're going to lose to Alabama. Just, and then they're and, saying and, maybe. And you let's know. say let's say they lose two more games in the Big Twelve. If they lose one more, they're going to go to the Big Twelve title game, and they'll be favored. If they lose two, then you lose your season win bet. I know they could win against Alabama. It's certainly possible. Um, but if if they do lose the Alabama game, where I'm going here is that if they go with two losses in conference. They probably would go down to tie breaks whether they're going to make the title game, and they'd still have a decent chance to get there, right? Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, I, I like to win the conference more than I like the, the win total, uh, even though I do think they're absolutely capable of beating that Alabama team. And if they, if they beat Alabama— I think so, too. They're seven-point dogs against Alabama in the uh, look-ahead game of the year lines. Uh, other than that, I mean, the game against Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl, they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. And, again, they beat them 49-0. to zero. Yeah. A year ago, I can honestly see eleven and one for this team. It wouldn't shock me at all. All right, where are you going? If you had to pick a team, not Texas, where are you going for your dark horse? At remember our rules, we said five to one or greater is yep. a dark horse. So at five to one, I'll go Kansas State. And to me, it's about Will Howard at quarterback. He's an absolute star, and this is a program that has arguably one of the best offensive lines in college football. They have that Texas game at home. So if there was – oh, no, they're on the road, excuse me, at Texas. Uh, Their road games in the conference this year, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, and Kansas. If they win that Kansas game, there's a realistic opportunity – the realistic chance they're they're rematching against Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Other than that, they should be able to run through this conference schedule. I like Kansas State. I went a little darker 
of a dark horse. I went with Texas Tech at 12 to 1. And they've got to be feeling good about what they're bringing back this season and how they closed out last season. They won their last four games under new head coach Joey McGuire. They bring back one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, Tyler Shuck. And coordinator Zach Kitley will get – he hopefully gets a full season out of Tyler Shuck. And if he does, you may know that name, Tyler Kitley, because – or excuse me, Zach Kitley, because he's the guy who helped Bailey Zappi become a household name a couple years ago So uh, at Western Kentucky. And speaking of Western Kentucky, they land one of the top offensive line transfer targets that was in the portal – uh, Western Kentucky center Rusty Stotts, and defensively, they return a ton, they return a ton from a team that led the led the Big Twelve in sacks, uh, finished top ten nationally in red zone defense. There's some things to like about this defense at a school where there's not usually things to like about the defense. The entire secondary's back, uh, and it, in, a, a good chunk of the defensive line is back, except for Tyree Wilson. That's a big loss, no doubt. Guy goes uh, in the top of the draft. He's a, he's a big player. Tech gets three of the four conference newbies and misses both Oklahoma schools. If things break the right way, it's feasible. They could end up in the title game, and with 12-1, to it's real easy to hedge out. Mm-hmm. In fact, they play Texas last, last week of the, of the regular season. season, so you could probably start to hedge out even earlier if you need to, if you don't think they can beat Texas. So it, it just gives you some opportunities to get out of this thing late in the season. So uh, Texas Tech plus 1,200 would be the dark horse that I'd look at. Win total over. What's your favorite win total over in the Big 12, Scott? I have two of them. I have two overs and one under. Okay. Now, I have a feeling that you and I might agree on one of these overs, which is why I prepared a second over. I like that. Because? Because my, my over is my best bet for the podcast. Okay. Is it Houston? It is. I see. I Obviously, you're a Houston guy. I know you. I know. I, Houston over four and a half, it was my over. But I said, damn, AJ's a Houston guy. He knows that program so well. He's definitely going to take Houston over four and a half. So I prepared another over. Thank you. But I will say on the Houston front, uh, Dana Hogerson infuriates me to no end. Yeah. But they should start the season three and one, beating UTSA, Rice, and Sam Houston. Yep. And that's you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's UTSA they, is a maybe I'll say. I got sure, I, sure. I, I, I got I to chime in. I got to disagree because that's a pick'em game against UTSA. So you can't say they're going to start three and zero when they're starting out zero zero and one right right off the bat. And there's a chance they could lose at Rice. Hey, you're right. No, okay. there, well, there's that's a sure. there's but a very slim chance they could lose at Rice. I think Donovan Smith coming in from Texas Tech at quarterback. I think the offense is going to be fine. Bottom line, I like your Houston. I'll let you explain why you have Houston over four and a half. But yeah. my, my over, why don't you just go ahead with I'll your go Houston and do that, yeah. Thing, and Th- then I'll give you my my over. So Houston loses Clayton Toon and Tank Dell, which is big. But you mentioned Donovan Smith bringing him in from Texas Tech. He's got I mobility, think that man. He can run. And they brought in a running back, Tony Mathis from West Virginia. They added one of the top recruits in the country, wide receiver, uh, Michael Harrison Pilot, And they add that to Matthew Golden who is already one of the big risers from last year at wide receiver. The O-line brings back, brings back a ton of experience. The defense is bad with Houston. There, there's a reason why they're set at four and a half. The defense is bad. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but the schedule, you mentioned, you know, they play the easiest schedule in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They play Rice and Sam Houston in non-con. They get UTSA, TC, or rebuilding TCU, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and the projected last place team in the Big 12, West Virginia, they get all those games at home, and they catch TCU early enough in the season 
that maybe you're catching the frogs while they're still in the, the early stages of their rebuild. So I think over four and a half is the number's just too low for a team that is bowl eligible damn near every season. And I do really like that home game against Cincinnati, a team you'd think that that would be a challenge. They're probably going to be, less, what do you think, minus seven in that game, even more? I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it'll be a full touchdown. Since I, he's way down, right? Since he's way down, yep. for sure. But so is Houston compared to yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. All right, my over is going to be Kansas over, and this is rare. It's a flat number, six. Yeah, you don't see those. We're we're using DraftKings numbers. That's the most widely available to people. And I love it because I think at worst-case scenario, this is a push. Uh, Kansas over six is minus 125 on DraftKings. They are one of the most experienced teams in the conference if you look at their returning production. They have a superstar quarterback in Jalen Daniels who missed four games in the middle of the season last year that happened to coincide with when Kansas started losing football games, right? So it's no coincidence that he gets hurt. That's when they start losing. They were 5-0, and and he was playing like a Heisman frontrunner. The defense returns. They should be better. Looking at the schedule, if they beat Illinois at home, they could start the season 3-0. and at worst, they can be 2-1. and one. They have BYU as a winnable home game, UCF as well. I think they just need one upset on the road in order to eclipse this number, in order to get them to seven wins. It might just take one upset on the road. Six and, and five, and they'll be playing at Cincinnati, and you've got a free roll for And them. there you go. That's again. I the wrote, number being on six is certainly appealing. I wrote down reason. at the end. At the I wrote down here. Worst case, this is a push, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because literally, as Fez said, I think it could be six and five going to ten to Cincinnati final game of the year, and that's that's not even an upset. They might depending yeah. on how they play this year, they could be favored in that game because I think Cincinnati. Fast forward to my uh, under Cincinnati under five and a half is my play. Uh, but if they can upset, you know, a, a win on the road against Oklahoma State. Or Iowa State, because again, look at the start of the season. Missouri State should win that game. Home to Illinois is tough, but if they win that, they'll beat Nevada and be three and zero. BYU at home, winnable game. Love that you get BYU at home. You don't want to have to go to exactly. And then at Texas, obviously they're dogs. Home to UCF, winnable. They'll be underdogs at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, they're underdogs already at home to Oklahoma. This is going to be a fun team to watch with Jalen Daniels at quarterback. And I think, again, I think it only takes one upset win to get this number to seven. Don't disagree. All right. Since you, uh, you already since gave out. That under, yeah, why don't you go for it? All right. Cincinnati under five and a half minus 155. I talked about Kansas being one of the most experienced teams in the conference as far as returning production. Well, Cincinnati is the lowest. Only seven starters return for this program that is in complete transition. Luke Fickle out, Scott Satterfield in, new system. They're going to put conference, new conference, (laughs) new system. They have one offensive lineman back from last year. This is a complete, and it's not like the offensive linemen that they have this year are guys that were in their program. They've rebuilt their offensive line through the transfer portal. So these are kids that are coming into a new school, new conference, new system, new teammates that have to gel together. I think it's going to take time for this team to gel together before they actually start playing good football. We could, Emory Jones is probably going to get the start at quarterback. He's the kid that was at Florida, and then I think he went to Arizona and had some off-the-field troubles there. But he's now going to be their starting quarterback, and that's probably good because 
with a bad offensive line, you need a quarterback that's going to run for his life. The problem is they're going to put too much pressure on, on Emory Jones. And I'm not talking about the defense is putting pressure on him. I mean the coaching staff. Uh, it's going to put too much pressure on him to win football games for them. They do have wins on their schedule. But do they get to six? I don't think so. I don't think so either. So I, I endorse yours. Uh, on For mine, I'm going to go under on Oklahoma. Nine and a half wins is where the number is set at. You know I love me some Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. Well, Dylan Gabriel took his team to a 6-7 uh, and seven record last season. So uh, mm-hmm. not great. The schedule is there for Brett Venables to get Oklahoma back to where they were. But I don't think the personnel are there. And what's funny is Brett Venables, this great defensive mastermind, I think the offense is actually pretty solid. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Dylan Gabriel. He was decent last year. He won Caleb Caleb Williams light, which is kind of what they were hoping he would be. He wasn't that, but he wasn't bad. Now he's going to be without Marvin Mims, though. That's a big deal. Who's OU's leading receiver last year? Uh, I, I'm not going to hammer it on the offense too bad, though. The defense disgusting. OU had the worst pass defense in the conference last year. This is the craziest stat I found about Oklahoma. Oklahoma allowed the most first downs in the country, like more than everybody. Think of the worst college football team you could think of. Oklahoma gave up more first downs than them. That's they, – they are a disaster. And on top of all that, they lost their best corner from last season. Jaden Davis, he goes to Miami. It, it was always going to be a rebuild for Oklahoma after Lincoln Riley left. I don't believe it was a one-year type of rebuild. I think Oklahoma improves on what they did last year, but getting back to 10 years this quickly I think is is too much of a leap. So Oklahoma under 9.5 is my favorite win total under. That's fair. Um, this offense is going to be better. I think another year under Jeff Levy and, and Dylan Gabriel can only make it better. Uh, but they were certainly not a Brent Venables team No, last year. I think it takes a special kind of linebacker. I mean, you, you see most of those linebackers at Clemson are mm-hmm. in the NFL mm-hmm. now, uh, and I, I don't think those guys are easy to find. And I think having to rebuild this team. Listen, if they are upset at Kansas, first off, it goes great for my Kansas over and wins. Okay, let's, make it, but, let's shake on that and just have that game Kansas win. I would love that okay. because then – I'm going to hit my over. You're going to hit your under. That's a, that's so, a, that's a win. I'll win tell you there, what. Scott. Right now, we have a game of the year line on that. I think it's Kansas is six and a half point home dogs. Give me Kansas. I, well, I, I take I'll Kansas, wait till that. I'll line. To wait for that. I'll seven. wait till that. Go, I'll wait till that seven. Right, Fez? You know, this is asymmetric risk, so to speak. So if you like a plus six and a half on a game of the year, et cetera, yep. All things being equal, go ahead and wait because who cares if you bet plus five or plus six and a half? Yeah. But then you're going to feel like a fool when it goes if, to seven. When well, it, oh, it could go. It could, it could go to eight. You know, and and, and the, knows, the Oklahoma but, six and a half is minus one fifteen. So it's moving. Yeah. So um, I'll wait for that. Seven. I fully endorse your Cincinnati under five and a half. I can't tell you what state of the union Cincinnati resides in, but I can tell you that, um, you know, I listen to other pods and other experts and the like, and if there's a consensus team that is going to suck compared to expectations, and it's somewhat built into this number, Mm -hmm. but uh, under five and a half is a consensus wise guy. Everyone's betting against Cincinnati. And quick question, Fez, where did you grow up? What state? Uh, Dayton, Ohio. Okay, yeah. I don't Mm. know what state Cincinnati's in either. No. you, you, I hear you. You've got some uh, some new stuff on totals. We've been talking totals with you on the pod. What do you got for college football totals? Yeah, so we've been talking about how we like to play early season games under. Uh, specifically, I'm going to call these 
week zero. Are you ready for this, Scott? Mm-hmm. And week one half. Whoa. Okay. So week zero is Saturday, September. September. Uh, August 26th, week one half is Thursday and Friday. So that's the end of August slash mm-hmm. September 1st games before the full slate of Saturday. So if you go went back last year and played every one of those games under, you went 9-2. and two. And going back in 2021, you played all 16 of those games under 13-3. and three. That's 22-5. and five. That's a pretty strong trend. Now, now, the week ones go under more than over as well. But the week zeros and the halves, and it kind of makes sense. Even less time for the teams to get ready. Um, maybe the kids not back from um, or necessarily from their summer vacation, school starting late, so maybe not as frenzied a crowd as well. Um, they're already betting these games under the average total two weeks ago for the week zero games was 53.1. Now it's 52.4. So more often than not, the total stayed the same or dropping. Same thing for the week one half. These are the Thursday and Friday games. The average total was 52, and now it's ticked below 51. And don't think, don't compare those totals to historical averages because these weeks, week zero and one, are significantly lower scoring than they are other weeks during college football season. So you like the Notre Dame Navy under in Dublin? Yes, under 49 and a half. And, you know, there's one wise guy I spoke to that actually says, he thinks that Notre Dame's offense is going to be much better because this Hartman guy is apparently the second coming of, you know, um, I, well, he was the Wake Forest quarterback. Yep, I Sam believe. Hartman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the always dangerous when I start talking about players, AJ, you know that. But he thinks that the Notre Dame offense could be way, way, way better. So that one is – I'm, I'm a lukewarm on that. Under, but I like all the unders, but I'm lukewarm because of that. Notre Dame laying 20 in that game. Weather may not be good. Who knows? You know, mm, Dublin, Ireland weather. Not sure about the August twenty sixth well, weather in Dublin. I think I, with the travel in general, like uh, playing a game over there, I wouldn't expect it to be mega high score. I think the Northwestern Nebraska game got to fifty one points, but if I recall correctly, that was because of an ill advised onside kick. It was because of by the Nebraska team. Make sure you guys head on over to pregame.com. And you could jump on board a daily best bet package. Maybe you want a Fezzik daily best bet or AJ Hoffman's UFC card. Tomorrow we'll have a UFC best bet on the we show. We'll have a UFC best bet on the show tomorrow. And you'll have a card up on pregame.com? It's already up it's on already pregame.com. Up. Ooh, well, right. you can get that card on pregame.com. And listen, don't let AJ hear this. I'm going to give you 20% off that UFC card right now. That's okay, okay with me, buddy. Oh, he heard that? Yeah, I heard it. Mackenzie, I'm still were, here with my headphones Mackenzie, on. Mackenzie, you were supposed to make sure you didn't hear that. Okay, fine. If he's if he's okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Take 20% off at pregame.com using the promo code FAME20. F-A-M-E, 20. FAME20 gets you 20% off, not just AJ's UFC card. You can get 20% off anything at pregame.com. You want a daily best bet? Sure, go right ahead. You want a discounted season package? Go right ahead. You want a combo College football NFL package, that's available for you. We have a Fezzik combo, Fezzik AJ me combo. We have lots of combos on pregame.com. Packages available that you can take 20% off of using the promo code FAME20. FAME20. Was that, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, David Bowie? David Bowie, yeah. 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 Good pull out of me. 
Twenty percent off at pregame.com. It's not really that good of a poll. That's like uh, it's, it's well known. known. Yeah, pretty known. <laughs> Promo code Fame Twenty at pregame.com. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Zagenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.